Welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great articles, videos, podcasts, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We're going to have you joined by Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Talk a little bit about our preview of Arkansas and Kentucky coming up this football season. We're going around the SEC and been doing that every single week. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, the Kentucky Wildcats and the current state of their football program as well as postseason play as well we'll get into some nonsense of course but i do want to talk a little bit about a football topic in this uh, opening segment because you know it's it's always football season i always enjoy football season we all enjoy football season even though this past football season for arkansas wasn't exactly the best of football seasons but it's still an enjoyable football season nonetheless and i know baseball is still going in the thick of things and eric musselman and uh, arkansas basketball still got a lot of things going on as well but you know, I thought that it was a very interesting comment from Chad Morris when he spoke to the Boone County Razorback Club, I believe is who it was. Uh, he didn't have really anything profound to say necessarily because nothing's really changed since we were able to catch up with him before spring ball happened. So it, it's not like anything just really blew our minds, and at least blew my mind, as far as any profound things that he had to say. But he was talking about Sosa Aguim and how he had a pretty strong message to him and how impressed he's been with him. So it's kind of like a, a very positive uh, vibe to what Sosa Aguin was doing, but also an interesting comment that he made about uh, the possibility of him coming back, and here it is. Well, I think that there's several that have stood out that had a great spring. I think, you know, obviously Sosa making the transition from outside to inside. Uh, and being fully committed and bought in. I mean, one of the messages that I shared with him back in January is don't, don't come back if you're not fully bought in and moving inside. And, and he, he understood that. He was great. He met with his family and said, Coach, I'm ready. You need to move on the inside or don't bother coming back. Maybe it wasn't as harsh as well it sounded, but that was certainly a very clear-cut black-and-white message to Sosa again. You either go into the inside or don't bother coming back because that's not what we're going to use you for. So I thought that this was very interesting because, again, the, the part of it being bought in and how he, he's bought into the program and bought in and bought in and bought in. This is something that's thrown around almost ad nauseum. It's almost annoying because it's just the way that I think that the program was when Chad Morris took it over and how he's still trying to drive a lot of that out of his program to be able to have some sort of successful program in the meantime. So it's, I know it's been really tough to try to go through that process and through that phase, but there's two things that stand out with those comments specifically about Sosa Game. Number one, this either tells me that Sosa Game is a really, really dynamic player that's able to play at multiple positions on the defensive line, but since Arkansas had lost Armand Watts in the interior, they need to move him more to the interior defensive line part because that's where they need him the most. Not saying that that's what he's best at, but that's where they need him. And it also tells me that Sosa Game doesn't want or didn't really want to play in the inside. He wanted to be an outside guy. He wanted to be a pass rusher. He, he wanted to be that type of player. But Chad Morris and this staff, which by the way, John Chavis and uh, Steve Caldwell. I know Steve Caldwell does the defensive ends. But both of those guys have put in multiple players, especially on the defensive side of the ball, 
into the NFL. So they probably have a good indication or at least a good idea of who, what it takes to be a good NFL player and how it takes to, what it takes to be uh, a player that can be multiple and be in a position that's best suited for you to be able to make it into the NFL. So that's what I gathered from all these comments uh, that Chad Morris was making about it. But once again, being b- brought up about buying in. You know, the more I hear this, the more I feel like it was just that bad last season. Uh, even in Armand Watts, who was recently drafted into the NFL, when he was talking about his experience at Arkansas and how he loved it because he, he put in the work and he bought in. He bought into Chad Morris in the program and to uh, John Chavis in their defensive style, and it, it's paying off dividends for him. You heard Rakeem Boyd talk about guys buying in, Cheyenne O'Grady, buying in, buying in, buying in, buying in, buying in. I hope that everybody on the team right now is bought in. And I hope that everybody that left the team were the ones that were not bought in. And it's really disappointing if you're a Razorback fan to look at that team last year and a lot of players that have been around for a long time and they did not want to, quote-unquote, buy in. I'm not trying to alleviate blame from Chad Morris or anything like that, but to me it was it was pretty evident that there were major issues going on in the locker room and issues with guys that wanted to do their own thing or didn't want to do it the way that Chad Morris wanted to do it. And so you're hoping that all of this has changed. You can't have another season where you don't have 100% of the players on your roster buying in. You just can't have it that way. I don't know if Chad Morris is going to end up being the best coach of all time at Arkansas, but I do know that he can't be the coach he's supposed to be or wants to be if he does not have his own players buying into what he's trying to do. I personally feel like it would be best served for Arkansas and for the entire roster and for Chad Morris and all these people that are involved with the program to say, you know what, if there's anybody who's not bought in, leave. Go. Find somewhere else to play football because it's not going to be here. I think that that was a message that was clear-cut to not only to guys like Sosa Game, which I'm not saying in a negative way, and I'm not saying Chad Morris approached him in a harsh way. I don't think that was the case at all. But I think Chad Morris quickly understood that this is not, uh, this is not a team that you can just coddle and then respect you. You have to make the tough decisions. And you have to be really real and harsh with these guys because a few of them had been coddled in their f- entire career at Arkansas. I feel like that was really the case. I have no evidence of it, but just going off of logic and the things you hear afterwards, that's how it felt. And so Chad Morris saying, going to so Seguim and saying, you know what? Enough of this. Enough of this playing outside. You're an interior player. We need you in the interior. So either you play interior or you move on. You go to the NFL or you try your hand at the NFL. Because we're not doing that here. I don't need you there. I know that's what you wanted to do, and the previous coaching staff coddled to you and went along with your needs, but that's not where we need you. We need you here. So go here, and if you don't want to go here, then don't be a part of the program anymore. Move on. And that's what Sosigim did. He did end up changing, buying in, and going along with it and improving himself. That's what this team needs. That's what this program needs. And that's what you're hoping that because of what this team needs and how they're handling themselves, that that's what ends up being great. That that's what ends up making this program improve this upcoming season. 
Because it's one thing to lose like you did last year, folks. And this is why I really am harsh on that season last year. It's not only did you go 2-10. and 10, The worst season in Razorback football history, and I don't even think it's close. It was awful. It was bad. But what made it exponentially worse was the fact that you had guys that were clowning around, that weren't bought in, that didn't care, that didn't have any pride, any pride in themselves to play at a higher level. That was the thing that was really disappointing. More so than anything. It's just, they didn't care. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them didn't want to play for a team or anything. They wanted to play for themselves, and that's it. That's all they wanted. And so, given all that state of affairs and how, you know, how bad it was, again, it, Chad Morris is going to come down to him and making it happen and, and to take it to that next level and him to fix all the problems that they have now. But... Can they do it? Will they do it? That, I mean, those are going to be the questions that we have to just kind of wait on. But I'm telling you right now, the way that Chad Morris is trying to fix it is the least appreciated. It's just a matter of will it translate? Will these guys actually truly buy in? That, my friends, is going to be the biggest question going forward. And if they can't do it, if they refuse to do it, if they want to do things their own way, and not buy in to Chad Morris, not buy in the coaching staff. It's going to be another long year. But I like what I'm seeing so far. And if this team takes that leaps and bounds, if they end up going 6-6, six and six, going to a bowl game this upcoming season, then a major shout-out to Chad Morris and getting rid of the guys that were put, holding you back and getting you guys that will help you move forward. Because the telltale sign, listen, there's, it's not about talent. I understand it's about coaching and all that fun stuff, and that's important, of course. But the telltale sign of this team's improvement is going to be their mental toughness and where they're at mentally. Because I'm telling you, just as someone who enjoys watching college football, I won't want to watch this team if they don't have the fire and passion to play football and win games. I would rather watch a team lose every game and try than see a team win a couple games here and there, but give up. There was a lot of quit in this team last year. And for everyone's sake, and especially for Chad Morris's sake, there better not be any quit in them this year. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Every single Tuesday over the past few weeks, we have been previewing the Razorback football schedule and their SEC teams that they uh, will be playing this season. We're doing it in order, too. So, of course, we previewed Ole Miss as, as the second week of the season for Arkansas. We've also previewed the Texas A&M Aggies. And now the next team on their schedule is the Kentucky Wildcats. They have not played each other since 2012 in Fayetteville. So it's been a long time. But Honestly, uh, Kentucky has a winning record against Arkansas, so it should be fascinating. And to talk a little bit about Kentucky football and the great season that they're coming off of and some spring practice, let's talk with Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Good morning, Jack. Appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Absolutely. Good morning. Well, it's it's always fun to talk uh, SEC football, especially in this area. And I know Razorback fans are hoping that this season goes a little better than this past season, but I'm sure Kentucky fans are hoping that they can replicate some of the success that they had from last year, finishing 10-3, and three, going 5-3 and three in conference, really setting the world on fire and, and really blowing people's minds with how good they were last year. But uh, this is a whole new season now. And just from what you saw with spring practice and the expectations and the excitement level for where the fans are at, just what was your overall takeaway from how they looked during the spring ball? 
Well, when you have a, a draft class the way the way Kentucky had with Josh Allen and Mike Edwards and you know the such a star-studded uh, defensive group, you know there's going to be a drop off, and that's kind of what we were we, that's kind of what we were expecting going into spring ball is to see um, you know the offense was clicking at times, but you know Terry Wilson was still inexperienced, not a lot of offensive weapons on the outside. Benny Snell was kind of carrying the load the entire time, so you know with with Benny out for the offense and then Josh Allen and, you know, the big stars on defense out, you know, you, you're expecting a drop off. But, um, I think the big takeaway after, after spring practice is that the offense, they have a lot of weapons moving forward, a lot of young talent that, uh, really couldn't find their groove last, last season. And, you know, they're still trying to get it, um, you know, get things figured out, um, acclimated with the program. And, you know, you can kind of tell that they're just starting to find their groove. Um, so the offense, I mean, they, they, they put up, you know, a bazillion points in the spring game. And I know there's, it's tough to take anything away from the spring game, especially with, uh, you know, one versus twos. But there were a lot of positives um, on the offense that you can kind of take away and be happy with. But on defense, um, those, those struggles are obvious. Um, but in the secondary, they're, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to even name the, the top two on uh, the depth chart right now with, with your secondary because there's just so many new names, so many uh, moving moving pieces. We brought in a couple of JUCO talents, a couple of true freshmen might be getting some some playing time because I mean, when you lose five um, you know talented defensive backs in one one season, you know it's it's kind of tough to um, turn back from that. So you can kind of see that the secondary is going to be a work in progress. The pass rush, our front seven's looking pretty solid, um, but uh, overall. Obviously, we're not really expecting a ten and three season. Uh, it's kind of tough to do that, especially in, in Kentucky. But uh, you know, a seven and five, eight and four type season is is kind of what's uh, the expectation right now. You know, when you watch the spring, I mean, this league and the sports—it's all about the quarterback anymore. When you watch the spring game, Terry Wilson—he um, looked good in the spring game. Um, take us a little further with him and the development of the quarterbacks, and, and really what Mark Stoops' offense is going to look like with with him at, at the helm. Well. You know, when you have a guy, he got so much criticism this past year for making, you know, crucial mistakes at crucial moments of games, and it's like when you have a quarterback that takes your team ten and three, what more? You know, especially at Kentucky, what more can you ask ask of him? He's a he was a game manager where you know he he would make make plays when Kentucky, you know, that Florida game, he won the game by himself at you know three or four different times, you know, extending time in the pocket and and finding some running room and, and making first downs happen whenever they just weren't available uh, passing. So when, when you have a running threat like that, um, you know, he's, he's always able to make something happen on his feet, even if, uh, if, if nothing's opening up uh, at receiver. Um, but he shows, you know, he showed a lot of promise um, on a couple, couple instances through the air. And then this, this spring, he's looked phenomenal through the air. Um, he is it, but, Inconsistency that we saw last year, and you know he he was kind of erratic at times. That that he's kind of settled down a little bit, and uh, I think the coaching staff is really expecting a whole lot out of him. Uh, with Gunnar Hope transferring this past um, this past week, our backup quarterback, it's kind of tough to um, you know it's kind of scary with a running quarterback in the SEC thinking that you know he's one hit away from us having no idea what's going to happen at quarterback. We're either looking at a true freshman coming in. Uh, we have two true freshmen coming in, in Amani Gilmore and Nick Scalzo. One of them is coming off a torn ACL. The other is still in high school. I think he had prom last week. So, you know, <laughs> what what can you expect out of that? And then Walker Wood, he's he was kind of brought in as a um, you know 
three-star running mobile quarterback, short. Imagine a, a poor man's Johnny Manziel, just not not a guy that you're expecting to be a huge difference maker. Uh, more of a home, hometown kid coming in playing, uh, you know, playing a backup role at Kentucky. That's kind of what we expected for him. We never expected him to play a major role here, and uh, to have those as your options just in case Terry does get hurt, it's, it's kind of terrifying. So that's that's definitely a position of worry right now if something were to go wrong. As of right now, the Kentucky coaching staff is very confident in Terry's abilities and uh, you know what, what to expect from him going forward. But outside of him, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit worrisome. Speaking with Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio right now on the Morning Rush. Jack, uh, just looking at Mark Stoops and what he's been able to do at Kentucky, he came in 2013, he's been there for six seasons, and essentially every season it seems like he's improved. Start at 2-10, 0-8 in conference, then goes to 5-7 back-to-back years, then 7-6 and back-to-back years, and of course last season going 10-3. and As far as what the expectation was when he came in as head coach to where he's at now, would you say he's exceeded all the expectations? Were people really excited about it when he came in? Just What's the overall feel of Mark Stoops and the job that he is doing? Because obviously he's doing something right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think he has exceeded every single expectation that Kentucky fans kind of had of him going into this. Um, there was this there was this thing with Kentucky fans that uh, football season just been a placeholder for the basketball team uh, for so many years. Just get us by to to October, you know, when Big Blue Madness starts, and then get us through basketball season. Just just give us something to do on Saturdays. Until then, give us a bowl team. It doesn't matter if we go six and six every single year. Just give us a bowl to look forward to. And that was kind of the expectation going into it because we've just never seen those kind of uh, the, those kind of limits being broken in the past. That's just kind of been the the, the minimum or the, the maximum, actually. You know, the pro for so many years is just, just make a bowl. Just, just get that six win threshold. Doesn't matter if we go to the music city bowl every single year, we'll tear up Nashville. Just <laughs> that's, that's kind of the, the goal going into it. But, um, as you, as you said before, he is, uh, either equaled or surpassed his win total from the year before every single year he's been at Kentucky. And, uh, you know, with, we, we secured a four star, you know, a couple four star commitments already. Um, one of our biggest defensive back targets for 2020 just committed. Uh, our recruiting momentum right now is just unbelievable. That coming off that 10 and three season, and you know, I, you you want to think that 10 and three is the the absolute ceiling that Kentucky can do, but. Mark Seuss has proven that there's not really a ceiling, uh, you know, in the, in the past with how much he's been improving every year. So, I mean, just for, for us to be in the spotlight at, at the NFL draft and kind of, you know, be in such a prestigious bowl like the Citrus Bowl when we, you know, that's just something we've never done before, uh, reached those heights before. It's just, it, it's just very, very awesome. And, you know, the buzz around the program, it's, it's, there's a, an appreciation for football that I've, I haven't seen in, in my time covering, covering this, this team. One of the unique things about Kentucky's schedule, you've got two non-conference games to begin the year with Toledo and, and Eastern Michigan, then eight conference games in a row with some, some bye weeks built in there, and then the other two non-conference games bookended on the back end of the season with uh, UT Martin and, of course, the uh, uh, the traditional game with Louisville to end the year. Arkansas's game is sandwiched in between two road games, South Carolina the week before, uh, a road trip to Columbia, then uh uh, the, right after Arkansas, a trip to Athens, Georgia, to take on the always tough Georgia Bulldogs. Kind of a unique schedule to see all the non-conference games at the beginning and the end of the year, but that's how Kentucky's schedule is set up. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny. The past couple of years, two years ago, 
uh, Kentucky fans kind of expected it, it to be a, an extremely favorable schedule, and um, you know they they kind of saw eight or nine wins two years ago, and we kind of um, you know didn't meet expectations that year when we went seven and five, and then last year everybody thought that the schedule was even harder uh, than than most expected, and then we ended up going ten and three. So you know this season, I think the the kind of general expectation is that it's a it's a tough schedule, but it's it's manageable. Um, you know, we're we're getting a couple of um, you know, like you said, four non-conference teams that we we're all pretty fairly confident in, in getting victories over. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of tough when when you're going back and forth on the road and and just I don't know. There's kind of momentum. There's there's optimism going into this season that it can that this this schedule's relatively manageable, but. Um, you know, it, like you said, Mark Stoops has kind of developed this mentality that you can't take any team lightly, and uh, it's it, it, yeah, we'll see what happens. Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, really appreciate you hopping on with us this morning, man. Have a fun in this off season, and uh, have fun uh, covering this team. And hopefully, we'll be able to catch up with you later down the road. All right, my man. Absolutely, thank you. I hey. appreciate you. Locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked on Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at RushJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.